Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Rina Kerrick. I teach frustrated professional mums who juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it easy and fun. You're invited to sign up to my family-friendly meal plan. Three easy meals to help you lose weight that the kids will like too. And my systems video, the simple system that keeps the kids happy and helps you shed the pounds. You can sign up at drorlina.com. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash healthy dash family dash meal dash plan. Now on with today's show. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. Today we are talking nutrition and I'm very excited because I have a wonderful guest called Tammy Ross who is a registered dietitian and she is going to come and talk to us about her book and about healthy eating. And I know that Tammy and I are very aligned in our message which is healthy eating is easy and fun. So Tammy, thank you so much for coming. I'm excited to be here. We're going to have a good chat, I can tell. So thank you. (laughs) Do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about you and your book and your burning message? Yeah, so um, I live in Kentucky, so I'm right in the center of the state in horse country. And I've actually spent my whole career working in diabetes care and education. I'm a dietitian by training, and my family growing up was very focused on health. And I love the message of food as medicine and really thinking about, you know, seeing the impact of what small swaps, switches, changes can really have um, on health. And so my book, What Do I Eat Now? It's very practical, doable. And what I want people to know is it's evidence-based. So it's based on the latest science and it's translated in a way that's understandable and doable. So we can talk about some of those tips as we go along. Fabulous. And one of the things I really love and want to just emphasize is you're talking about small swaps. And I think for a lot of people, you get stuck in this way of being and it almost feels like you're in a hamster wheel and you want to get Mm -hmm. to this place that feels so far away. And people often feel it's really, really difficult to get there. And I always say, you know, it's one small step at a time. And so I'd love to hear about some of those small swaps, because people don't realize how easy and fun it can be. Well, um, you know, one is around beverages. And so um, the American Diabetes Association now strongly recommends to avoid sugar-sweetened beverages. And so I know, um, you know, when my child was young and growing up, that was one thing we always focused on. How do we fit in more water, more healthy, calorie-free beverages? And so one swap 
could be um, switching out maybe a, a tea that's sweetened or other sweetened beverage for what is called infused water. Have you ever made infused water before I or heard of that? I love infused water. And you actually, love it. Okay. Yeah, I do. I'm, I wonder, I'm totally with you and I totally love experimenting with different non-sugar drinks. Yes. And one of my favorite ones is to use peppermint oil. Oh, I have not done that. Tell me how you make that. Yeah, Yeah. it's beautiful. In the summer, just one drop of peppermint oil in a glass of icy cold water. And it's really refreshing. You know, when you're feeling, oh my goodness, I'm so tired because it's so hot. It really perks you up. But I'm distracting you. Tell us about your infusion drinks. No. So um, this past week, actually, I was filming a video um, about how to make infused water. And so the one I made this week had sliced fresh orange in it, uh, sliced lemon, and then fresh mint. And so that's kind of along the line with the peppermint that you were talking about. That mint just gives it a, a real freshness and a little kick. And so by simply putting those ingredients in water, popping it in the fridge for a couple of hours, that flavor will infuse into the water without any calories, sugar, or carbohydrate. And so it's a great drink for kids and adults alike. Um, You can do any number of combination. Another favorite one is cucumber with a little bit of fresh lime sliced in with it. And again, it's that real fresh flavor. So um, switches and beverages can make a big, big difference. That is amazing. I am definitely going to try those over the summer. Yeah, yeah, because we get so dehydrated. You know, it's so hot here that you want to have something mm-hmm. too refreshing to drink. Something then I'm definitely going to try the what was it? Mint and cucumber sounds delicious. Mint, cucumber, and then I'll do lime or lemon with it sometimes as well. And, you know, the thing I would tell people is once you infuse that flavor for a couple of hours, you probably want to take those flavoring ingredients out because it will continue to intensify. So whatever's left over, you just pop it in the fridge and enjoy it. So infused water is something I'm a big fan of. And a lot of the patients and clients I've worked with have really enjoyed that as well. Fabulous. Any other easy swaps that we can do? You know, um, one thing I think about is in the area of vegetables. And oftentimes I find that people focus on the starchy vegetables, you know, potatoes, corn, peas, that kind of thing. And really thinking about when we go to serve our plate up to focus first on the non-starchy vegetables, Um, particularly if you're trying to be healthier, manage blood glucose. The non-starchy vegetables, that's things like the greens and the tomato and carrot and cucumber and all of those type of things, but really filling half your plate with those. So I kind of um, twist the way I think about how we serve up our plates rather than focusing first on the meat or protein focus first on those non-starchy vegetables and fill half your plate with those. So it's just one little swap, but again, one that can make a big difference. It can help manage blood glucose. It cuts back on calories, can help you if you're trying to lose weight and just fit in all all those nutrients. And it's where the color comes from on your plate as well. So that's one tip for when you're thinking about just, what do I eat? What do I put on my plate? Yes, I totally agree with you. My favorite motto is I'm all about the vegetables. And I totally agree with... um, you know, the the green leafy vegetables and that people do find it easier to eat the starchy ones. But yes, mm-hmm. I'm all about the vegetables. And I do think it's this mind, you have to say this carefully, mindset shift that we have where we often yeah. think about eating a large amount of meat and having, you know, a little bit of vegetables on the side, but it should really be the other way around right. that we only need a small right. amount of meat just to add a little bit of flavor. 
Yeah, I kind of think of the meat almost as like a condiment. You know, you put that on the side. So the way to think about it, if you have a plate, like the perfect size plates, nine or 10 inches, and if about half of that is the non-starchy vegetables, a fourth of it, the protein. And, um, you know, that's a serving about the size of a deck of cards is kind of a three to four ounce serving. And then the other fourth of the plates where the carbohydrate foods come in, the whole grains, um, fruit, dairy, those type of foods. And so for people, particularly that are trying to manage blood glucose, um, managing that carbohydrate section is what helps. So that's a little tip of how to fill the plate in a healthy way and get a lot more vegetables in. Fabulous. And another point that I just wanted to emphasize that you sort of made in passing, you were talking about healthy eating and for people who want to lose weight. And, you know, I think you kind of implied it's all the same. And I think people don't really realize that it's all the same, but that healthy eating Mm -hmm. and weight loss, it's all the same way of eating, whether, you know, you're trying to avoid diabetes or you've got pre-diabetes. So do you want to tell us a bit more? I presume you go into this in your book in more detail, but do you want to tell Mm -hmm. us your version of healthy eating. (laughs) Yeah, so um, healthy eating, when you think about the core basic things, you want to focus on, as we've talked about, the non-starchy vegetables. And I think about sticking close to nature. You know, that's where you want to be the less processed foods are. Um, So if you think about it, an apple is going to have more fiber and be more filling than, say, apple juice would. Um, The whole grain rice and pasta are going to be more filling than the refined white versions. And so really focusing on that close to close to nature and the whole grain, fewer refined foods. Um, Healthy fats are another thing that we want to focus on, you know, Oftentimes, people think about eating keto, maybe that has lots of bacon or meat in it. And really, what we want to focus on are the healthy plant based fats. So, the liquid oils like olive oil, canola oil, that's what I keep in my pantry for cooking. And those are the the types of fats that are going to be healthy for us. So, I I think those are three core things to think about. Eating healthy for diabetes and prediabetes now, you know, it's acknowledged that plant-based diets can be very healthy and beneficial, as well as the Mediterranean style of eating, (laughs) which I love. I'm a huge fan of that. And uh, what's called the DASH diet. I don't know. Have you heard of that before? No, tell us what the DASH DASH diet is. It's not something I've talked about on the podcast before. Okay. DASH is um, It's the abbreviation for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension or High Blood Pressure, D-A-S-H. And so it really focuses on whole foods, vegetables and fruits, low-fat dairy, nuts and seeds. So it's a, a... lower sodium um, approach to eating that's going to help with managing blood glucose and blood pressure. So I've got a good heart health benefit. It sounds very similar uh, to the Mediterranean style diet. It is similar. There's a few little differences just in the types of foods that are included, but it is somewhat similar, very um, close to nature in that regard. Yeah. Yes. I love love that, that message about being close to nature. And I think it's something that Many people get confused over. So I hear a lot of people saying, oh, but orange juice or apple juice, it's healthy for me. It's healthy for my children. And my, my take on it is, <laughs> is that orange juice is like an orange with all the good bits taken out and that you're really left with a very high sugary substance. And, yeah. you know, another way, the way I explain it, but I think it's the same as what you say, but it's the amount of work that is done. So you say close to nature, but what I say is, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't want food that somebody has already done the work for us. So they've started Mm -hmm. breaking it down. We want to be doing that all for ourselves. 
That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of that, um, you know, as, as close to the whole form as possible. So when we think about things like fruits, you're exactly right. The juices are concentrated with that natural fruit sugar. Some of them have added sugars, you know, like the cranberry juice or some of the grape juices. And so those calories and the carbohydrate can add up really quickly. And you're missing out on all that fiber that would come from if you ate the orange or you ate the apple or you ate, you know, the grapes themselves. And so I think that's a really important point. You know, um, when we think about things like grains. Um, take oatmeal, for instance, you know, steel cut oats are the whole form of the oats. Um, and then there's more refined versions of that. So again, thinking about foods that have um, that are less refined, less processed is definitely what I'm an advocate for. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think it can be confusing as well that when we talk about whole grains, because, for example, if we talk about a whole grain like spelt and people talk about spelt flour, well, mm-hmm. in my mind, spelt flour is not very far from processed white flour. But people get confused yeah. because you can buy the whole grain. So when we're talking about whole grains, we're literally talking about the grains. And because this is a podcast, I can't show you a whole grain. I know. But, that's hard, right? But, yeah, exactly. But it, it's like... You know, when you go into a field and you see the grains growing, that's what it looks like when you buy whole grains. And I think that can be people get a little bit confused with that as well. Yeah, another way to think about it is it's fully intact. It hasn't had anything removed or processed. And, you know, a great example maybe that people can picture is corn. Corn actually is a whole grain. A lot of people don't think about that. But if you think about the corn kernel um, and you pop that to make popcorn, you're eating a whole grain. Nothing's been removed from it. So I I, I find that's an illustration that people can kind of think about, you know. Um, But popcorn's a whole grain snack, so... Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. So what else about healthy eating? What other advice do you have for us? Well, you know, I always like to think, step back and think about the big picture and um, eating definitely what we eat, what we put in our body definitely plays into, you know, maintaining good health, but also people that may have prediabetes or diabetes. That's a core lifestyle factor that we're thinking about along the way. And we've talked about um, a lot of the strategies, you know, how you fill your plate and what you want to focus on um, with that. But for people that maybe um, have a family history of diabetes and are concerned about that, that's where um, managing carbohydrate, trying not to go overboard with that, particularly getting physical activity in every day. And we haven't talked a lot about that yet, but um, 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity is what's recommended for prevention and management of, per week. of diabetes. Yeah, per week. And so if you average that out, it's going to be about 20, 25 minutes a day. Um, and to put that in perspective, moderate activity is taking a walk and walking a mile in about 17 to 20 minutes. So, you know, a, a good little pace. Um, also, I like to think about fitting activity in during the day by tracking your steps. I'm a big fan of activity trackers. Do you have yours on? (laughs) I do. I'm just obviously it's just being on the podcast. We can't show you. But yes, I do. And mine has a little story behind it, actually, because I'm a swimmer. You probably don't know that I'm a swimmer, but I'm a swimmer. And our swimming pool has been closed for the last two months. And my birthday was in February. And so my husband kindly gave me this, but I had hoped for a guitar. And he gave it to me because I do open water swimming in the sea in the summer. 
And so I have to confess, I was slightly disappointed by it because I was a bit like, well, it doesn't really change my life very much because I still do lots of walking and lots of swimming. But now, because of lockdown, I found it really useful, actually, because I can track my steps and know when I'm having a really sedentary day because I'm really having to focus on making sure that I do move. Yes, We're only allowed out of the house to do a little bit of exercise and I'm allowed to take the children out. And actually, since Mm -hmm. we've been allowed out, I've really noticed that my steps have gone up. And that it's yeah. amazing. You don't have to do heaps and heaps, but just as you say, a small amount. So, you know, if you say 20 or 30 minutes of moderate exercise, if you say, okay, well, I'm going to go for a walk for an hour, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. do a moderate, you know, with kids. So it's not a huge walk. Right. And then right. we might, you know, sit in our woods that we can walk to and spend a bit of time there and then walk back. But that that's our 20 minutes of reasonable exercise. And it feels like right. nothing. So yes, right. sorry, I'm sidetracking right. you, but you're right. No, I love it. That's a great story. <laughs> but yeah, the activity trackers, they really do raise awareness. Um, I had a client that I worked with that was a dentist, and I finally convinced her to wear an activity tracker to see, you know, how much her movement was. She was trying to focus on losing weight, and she found that she was getting about 1,500 steps a day. That was all, and the, wow, the push goal, <laughs> I know, the push goal is, you know, 10,000 steps a day is what for good health is recommended. But what was really interesting is once she became aware of how sedentary she actually was in her day and in her job, when she came back to see me the next month, she said, I'm up to 6,000 steps a day, you know, and it it raised awareness and was a self-motivator and uh, forced her to be intentional in what she was doing to try to fit fitness in. So that fitness piece, I think, goes equally along with the healthy eating piece in terms of good health um, and managing blood glucose. So those are kind of the two big things. Yeah. Yeah, that's fabulous. And I think that um, it should be fun as well. And that part of exercise is, I always say we want to do exercise to feel fit and fabulous, because that's really and truly where you get to have that energy and think, oh, I can do these amazing things with my body. I can go cycling or swimming or running and really enjoy our bodies as well Mm -hmm. as look after them. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I hear so many people say, oh, it's just the hardest parts getting myself up and out the door. But once I'm out the door doing something I enjoy, you know, being physically active, you feel so much better afterward because it it, um, releases those feel good hormones when you get out there and are active. So even on rainy days, you know, figuring out what can I do to fit some fitness in, whether it's something on YouTube or, you know, TVs, an activity show. I'm always challenging people to think about what can I do? What can I do to be active? And I think we've proved in the last couple of months being stuck at home that it is possible to still be active. I worked out that when we weren't allowed to leave the house, I could do a thousand steps if I walked around my garden 30 times. (laughs) And you know that now though, right? You know that. Yeah, I mean, I think about um, a patient I worked with, she was homebound at the time. And um, she said she learned that it was 500 steps if she walked the inside perimeter of her house. So exactly, again, figuring that out, you know, how can I fit fitness in? There's some really cool walking videos um, on YouTube where you it's walking in your home, you know, marching and doing that kind of thing. And you can walk a mile in 20 minutes. So those type of things are fun, fun alternatives to think about. Exactly. And we have this idea that we if we have a dog, we need to walk our dogs. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to have that same idea about ourselves, that our bodies need to be exercised daily and that we should be walking ourselves daily as well as our dogs. 
Well, and you know, it's interesting, there's research that actually shows that people that have dogs are more physically active, because they say, Oh, I need to go walk my dog. And you know, along with that, they're getting activity. So everybody needs a dog, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've covered healthy eating, we've covered exercise. Is there anything else that you would like to add for a healthy lifestyle? What I want people to think about is what small changes, you know, they can make. If you think, oh, I need to overhaul my eating or lose 40 pounds, that can seem really overwhelming. But I'm always challenging people to think about what good things are you doing right now and how can you leverage those to do them maybe more often or expand on it. And, and you know, maybe it just starts with, hey, I'm going to try to eat more vegetables. So one day a week. I'm going to do a plant-based meal. You know, it might be black bean soup or whatever for lunch. And just start with one meal, one day, you know, for a week and see how you do and then build on that. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming and say, I'm going to do overhaul everything, but just start with one meal and think about what swap can I make in this meal? Yes, and I think as well, if you try and do everything at once and go, goodness, I have to throw out everything and start again, then it just becomes overwhelming and you give up. So it's much better to have a smaller goal and to actually achieve it. So for example, for me, I've now decided that I'm cycling because I can't, can't go swimming. And I thought I could go for a half hour cycle every single day, because half an hour is not very long. But then Mm -hmm. I thought, but that's not what you do with your clients, you tell them to do less. And so do three times stick to three times a week. And Mm -hmm. make sure you stick to that rather than going, okay, I'm going to do it every single day and then fail by only going six times. It's just the way we think about things. Yeah. And I call those, you know, kind of set many milestones that where you can have an early victory and feel like, okay, I did this. I did, you know, two days a week. So maybe I can add a third day on. And then when you feel good with that, well, maybe I can, you know, do this yes. or do that. And, you know, heading into the, the stores, the markets, maybe it's going um, to an area of the, the store you don't go to and trying a new ingredient. Maybe it's trying a new vegetable or letting your children pick out a new fruit that they haven't tried before. And, um, you know, it's those little exposures to new things that can help us broaden our horizons. And it's a great way to work in, you know, new fruits and vegetables. And I find working with adult populations even Many of them have not tried a lot of the fruits and vegetables, you know, that are out there. It's whatever you're raised on and kind of venturing into something new. I always think that fruit and vegetables are so easy to cook. I just say to people, if you don't know how to cook it, just shove it in the oven and sprinkle it with some olive oil. It's so easy. (laughs) See, I'm with you on that. I love roasted vegetables. And growing up, uh, my mom, whenever she cooked Brussels sprouts, she would boil them and they smelled horrible and I hated them. But as an adult, I learned about roasting vegetables. And there's actually a chapter in my book and what do I eat now about how to roast different vegetables. And it which is really, it's so easy. Like you said, olive oil, I'll usually put a little bit of fresh garlic, maybe a little fresh cracked pepper and uh, roast them at 425 for 20, 25 minutes. And they just get crispy and, you know, with them. And easy. Yeah. And easy. easy. Yes. Easy. And I'll use parchment paper to line the pan. So it's easy cleanup too. You just toss it in the trash when you're done. So fabulous. So now the other thing we wanted to talk about was portion sizes as well, which I think is really important. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So whether people are trying to lose a little bit of weight or trying to eat healthier or manage blood sugars, um, it's important to think about portions. And I like to think about our hand, um, you know, as an easy way to measure portions. A woman's hand is usually about one cup. And so when we think about things like the starchy foods, um, you know, that's about the right serving size. When you think about your hand, if you look at the palm of your hand, uh, a woman's hand is about three to four ounces, which is perfect for the size of meat. A man's is five to six ounces. So that's going to, you know, you've got your hand with you all the time. So you can use it to help estimate portions. And so I encourage people to, you know, make your fist and stick it up next to a measuring cup and see is my fist you know, one cup, one and a half cups, two cups, and that can really help you to judge and estimate portions without having to pull out, you know, a lot of different measuring um, utensils and cups and that kind of thing. So again, I'm all about trying to keep it practical, keep it realistic, and think about um, when we were talking earlier about serving up your plate, your whole hand would be about the size of those non-starchy vegetables to put on half the plate. So you can really use your hand to estimate portions and downsizing portions just a little bit can really help with managing calories. Um, it's interesting. There was a study that looked at downsizing your plate from like a 12 inch um, across plate down to a nine or 10 and how people lost close to 20 pounds just by making that change over the course of a year. So kind of interesting stuff. Yeah. 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 We always eat our lunch actually of small side plates rather than yeah. big plates. And I think it gives you that feeling that, Oh my goodness, I've got a, a plate that's so bursting full as opposed to a big plate that's kind of empty. That's a great tip. Yeah. So if you eat off a smaller plate, it visually tricks you into thinking that, oh, I've got all this food. And people actually feel more satisfied, you know, when they get that visual trick. So um, that's a great strategy, you know, eating off the salad plate or the dessert plate rather than the big main plate. Yeah, It's interesting, Love isn't that. it? I think we've kind of lost contact with how we actually feel full up. I read this other article which was saying that they were looking at people to see if they felt full or not. And what they had was a bowl of soup and they asked you, do you feel full? Except for some of the bowls, they were secretly filling them up again. So they would eat a whole bowl of soup. Yes. And the ones that were empty, they would look down and go, oh, yes, I am full. And the ones where they'd secretly filled it up would say, oh, no, I'm not full because their bowl was still full of soup. So they presumed they hadn't eaten anything. Whereas actually, if you check in with yourself and go, oh, my tummy does feel kind of full. Uh-huh. But I think we're just so busy now that we've lost contact with that a bit. That that research is really interesting. I think it's the research of Brian Wansink that you're t you're referring to, and he's done a lot of interesting research around that, looking at glass sizes as well. That if we drink out of um, a short glass, you know, it looks full, uh, and so our mind is tricked into thinking that we're getting more than if it's a tall, skinny glass. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of visual tricks out there, um, and he focuses very much on mindfulness and, you know, checking in with your body and seeing if you're full, you know, like you were talking about. So, interesting. It is very interesting. And what about how often people eat? Would you like to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, generally every four hours or so is, is when we get hungry during the day. And so for people that are managing blood glucose, trying to eat something in the morning, something at noontime, something in the evening, uh, people do not necessarily need to eat five or six times a day. And, you know, these days we're hearing about intermittent fasting as well. You know, that's kind of become... Um, 
a popular topic and, and what the research shows now is that if people do um, choose to go without eating, say, for 12, 14, 16 hours at a stretch, that there may be benefits from that. So I think what the, what it tells us is that uh, we've got to do what works for us and that there's lots of options. It's good to have options, but it's finding what works for you, for your body, for your family, for your life. So um, I think it's good to know that there's research now that supports you know, three meals a day, or for some people, periods of that intermittent fasting or going longer stretches without eating um, may have metabolic benefits as well. It's interesting. I've tried intermittent fasting and I would do it more frequently, but it's difficult with my children. And I absolutely loved it, actually. And you would think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be starving hungry. But it, it wasn't like that at all. It was yeah. more that you felt energized and full of energy. Mm-hmm. How, how many hours did you find that you could go and well, still feel I good? Only tested it so I would normally fast overnight so we eat dinner at around six o'clock and yeah I would always fast for 12 hours until my breakfast but I would then go yeah. swimming in the morning and then have my lunch at one so okay it's about 16 19 hours. hours 16 hours yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah it's interesting some people feel really tired at first but then they find that their body adapts to it and they they feel better so um interesting research out there about it and it's just kind of seeing you know what works for you fits with your schedule um and helps you to feel your best it's all about feeling your best so that's what we try a 24 hour fast but i haven't quite worked out when to do that i I haven't tried that either (laughs) no when particularly when you have to feed children so i think preparing food and then giving it to them whilst you're halfway through a 24 hour fast might be quite difficult but it worked for me when I I basically wasn't there when they were having breakfast. So then I just yeah. essentially skipped breakfast. Yeah. And then you were at lunchtime. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Do you have any last words of wisdom for us? Well, if, if people want to get their hands on the book that we've been talking about, What Do I Eat Now? It's my, my new book. Um, they can find that in bookstores, um, online on Amazon.com and at the American Diabetes Association website, shopdiabetes.org. I will leave and, a link uh, in the show notes as well. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And if people want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter, um, my webpage. It's under construction right now, but you can check me out at TammyRossRD.com, also on Instagram. So um, I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. This has been an interesting discussion. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tammy. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would love it if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for my family-friendly meal plan at drorlena, that's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com, slash healthy dash family dash meal dash plan. Goodbye and have a fabulous week.